Pharisee, I preach the gospel I follow the apostles, you follow Pentecostals You're not reformed, so that's a risk I believe the five points like an asterisk I repent, but you're in sin still I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill Well here we go and welcome to another episode of SolarCast Your boy Pastor Chris Hernandez and I'm with my man Jimmy De Los Santos Well I'm not only with my man Jimmy no, we, got, we, got, we got a crowd here today Yeah we got a crowd yeah, what's going on? Want to introduce the crowd? Why do we have a crowd? Yeah, why do we have a crowd? Because we said this last week, we are in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, we're not Atlanta proper, but we're close enough. College Park. College Park. Yeah. We're in Atlanta, Georgia for the G3 conference. We said last week we'd be here uh, this week. So here we are. Here we are, yeah. just like last year. Last yeah. like last year. And that's why we sound a little different, too. We might sound like we're in a bathroom or something like that. But, a little, bit, uh, little yeah. bit of an echo, but I think it sounds all right. Yeah, It'll we'll be okay. It. We'll, we'll work through it. And yeah. our audience isn't going to go away just yeah. because there's a little echo. Right, right, right. So, you know. So this is the 2020 G3 conference. conference. On worship. On, the, on worship. On the topic of worship. So right. it's been a real good conference. It's Friday night. We still got Saturday to go. Yeah. So there's still like three more speakers to and the bookstore to hit and all that good stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a good concert. Yeah. I mean, it's been concert. So let's let's, let's let's introduce the roundtable here. We got because we got a few more people here that are joining us live on this uh, recording and some familiar voices that you heard last year, right? Yeah, so, last year. So we here did we have uh, yeah, to my right we have Dylan. Hey, what's up? We have Aaron. Yo. To my left we have Pastor Robert Castillo. Hello, hello. And then we have Rodion. <laughs> Rodion gets mentioned all the time, so he's yeah, he's man. a regular <laughs> on the show. Old hat, man. Yeah. Old hat. Yeah. Say hi, Rodeo. Hello. Yeah, so Pastor Robert, he's a newbie to the podcast. We want to welcome him. Pastor Robert, you want to tell us what's the name of your church, where, where is it at and everything? Well, I pastor New Praise Church. Uh, it's in Dallas, Texas. Been there about two and a half years now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, appreciate you jumping on. Pastor Robert is at the G3 conference as well. So we wanted to get his thoughts on some of the things that, that we heard, man. But it's been a good conference so far. I always enjoy the when we get together and sing the way we do uh, and some of the ways... That, the worship part of this is, yes. to me, some of the best worship sometimes that you can get. Because these guys, they aren't focused on worship that is, you know, entertainment. They're focused on worship that is Godward. Right. And when you get a whole room, 2,000 people that are singing in unison and the instruments go away. Yeah. There's just something special about that. And so I've enjoyed the worship. But the theme was worship. And so we learned a lot about the way worship should be, and I, I think they they got the right guys. Sovereign Grace is doing the music again, right. Right. and so they they did a, a special. We went to the pre-conference and the pre-conference, the yeah. Getty concert, man, that was awesome. That <laughs> yeah. was awesome. Yeah, and yeah. we learned some things from Bob Coughlin. Yeah, uh, who is Aaron? You know a lot about the Coughlins, right? Tell us tell us what you know about the Coughlins. So Bob Coughlin is the director of Sovereign Grace Music, and him and his family write. As far as I know, all of the songs for Sovereign Grace Music, and perform them as well. Yeah. What's his son's name? Devin Coughlin. And he's the he's the guy that was leading the worship for most of everything right. that, we, yes. that we saw there, right? So it was good. There was a question that was asked today about women leading worship. Yes. When in the Q and A, did you? No, you, you, no, you didn't see the no, Q and A. We we me and Robert were out chopping it up. Yeah. So yeah. in the Q and A, should women lead worship? What was the answer, Aaron? <laughs> I'm deferring to Erin because she's the female in the room. So let's let's. I let's think uh, the answer is dependent on a few things. I think it depends on if that woman leading worship is also choosing and selecting the songs, expositing or going through the scriptures to find songs that fit the sermon, um, and acting in almost 
an elder sense yeah. or deacon even sense of um, selecting the songs for worship. Yeah. If that's the case, I think that's too far for a woman to be on the stage alone and doing all those things. Right. Yeah. Um, so they essentially, in that context, said no. You yeah, know, right. a woman should not. The, con- the, the panel did yeah. say that about it, there needs to be some authority from a, a male figure Yes. Even, even leading yeah. worship. Uh, and we talked a little bit about it the way Ecclesia does it. Johnny is the one that leads our, our, our service, our right. music. Um, and Johnny, although he doesn't sing, right. he directs and he leads the practice and he does all right. that. So uh, I look at him as the, as the yeah. leader of our worship crew. Yeah. And so yeah. we're in line. Right. Well, <laughs> we may be. Yeah, we, we, we're not there yet, but we'll talk about that because well, we heard some stuff about that, right? Yeah. And I think okay. more than that, the ladies at Ecclesia aren't trying to lead the congregation in prayer or teach anything. They're simply standing, singing the song, leading it, stepping away, and letting Pastor Chris be the introducer of those songs and the closer of them yeah. as well. And ultimately, I think I think where pastor's about to go is that what we heard from the very beginning was right. it comes from the pastor. Right, right. Pastor down. It comes from the pulpit down. And, and it, it was really good stuff that they talked about where it's the word that should lead even our worship. And, and there was so many good things. I'll just defer to you. Yeah. Take us through it. And, you know, we had so many speakers that were there. Right. Um, so but before the, we get to that, I think oh, I do want to share, man, one of the, the best things about the G3 Conference is the, the relationships and the fellowship that we have with others. You know, yeah. people, you know, Reformed Twitter is like kind of a small, small <laughs> world. So, uh, you know, there's so many people that are on Twitter uh, that you know, we get a chance to meet at G three. So that's yeah. that's what's really cool. Especially yeah. you know, even the you know, even the pastors and leaders and uh, the the speakers, they're they're roaming around. You yeah, know, they're not like in a green room all the time. They're roaming yeah. around. You get to shake their hand. Even at Target, you might yeah. you get to. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah. So we went to Target to to get our groceries because yeah. we're in an Airbnb, you know, and we're trying to f- figure out the ways uh, to to be the least expensive that we can and be good stewards of our money. So we get an Airbnb. We we do, we go to the grocery store. We buy our stuff that we're gonna make breakfast with. So we're in Target. We're walking through. We've got our groceries. We're going up to the check. I'm looking at my phone and I hear Pastor Chris said, "Hello, sir." And I turned and I look at his Vody Bauckham and I said, "Hey, hey, hey, Vody Bauckham!" And so surprised, and, and he had his whole family yeah. with him, and I interrupted all that. I shook his hand though, See, and I was I, like, I saw okay. him with his whole family. I think we did Dylan and Aaron's family, and we, we all had the same thing in mind. Let's not bother him. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to I wanted to say at least hi, yeah. so that's why I said hello, sir. So and yeah. then you jump in yeah. and give him a hug, so and put, it on, shoes put it on, Jimmy. put it on, put it on, I shook his Jimmy's hand. Jimmy's gonna, gonna deny it, but there, there were there were one or two giggles. That I heard out of, out, of, okay. out of Jimmy. I'm a little starstruck. It's Vody Bauckham. Who wouldn't be starstruck by Vody Bauckham? I've, I've listened. President. I've listened Doctor. to his President. doctor. Yeah, yeah, we were talking and about. You what, what are you him too, bro. Yeah, I yeah. just called yeah. him Vody Bauckham. You just I called him V, didn't you? Doctor, you said, what's up, V? <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, Doctor Vody Bauckham. Is it Pastor Vody Bauckham? Is it Seminarian Vody Bauckham? Yeah. You know, I don't know, man. But I, you know, I got to shake his hand, and I've, I've enjoyed him for a long time. He is such a good uh, uh, expositor of the word that that you got to admire somebody right. like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but other than that, old friends, new friends, yeah. you know, our friend Andrew Rappaport, who we we've had on the show, we got to 
you know, chop it up with him. Uh, you know, DB Harrison and yeah. Virgil Walker. Oh man, I yeah. so enjoyed uh, the, those guys from the Just Thinking podcast. Right. I got a chance to talk with them a little a little deeper, and uh, I enjoyed the conversation that I had with uh, uh, Daryl Harrison today. He is so passionate about what he believes, uh, and and so you know they they go on the on the social justice stuff a lot, and I I'm I'm in agreement with all that they got to say. Right. But we had a great conversation today. Yeah. Uh, I had a great conversation with Daryl Harrison uh, right there in the exhibit hall. Uh, he had so many good things to say, and, and I, I was I was stuck there for a while. Yeah. Uh, Dylan came by and said, "Well, I'm not going to get him away from uh, <laughs> from Daryl Harrison." Uh, but we got I got to take some pictures with him, and you know we even got to talk to Dwayne Atkinson uh, for the right, bar podcast from the bar podcast. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Shout, shout out to, to all those guys, shout man. Shout out to Dwayne. Yeah, yeah. Saw the guys from uh, RBS out there. Yeah, uh, Doctor Renahan. Yeah. That was that was cool. Yeah. cool. I always I like to go by and and, and, and shake uh, Gabe Hughes' hand. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know he's to me he's a, he's I listen to his podcast all the time the the what podcast and I enjoy uh, the way he's got to. To teach us, he does Bible study throughout the week, and he has Q and A on Friday, yeah. and so I enjoy his format and the way he goes through things. So I listen to him quite a bit. Uh, so I just go by to say thank you for the ministry that you have and the, and the things that you do. So yeah. uh, shout out to to what you know and, and to well what W W U T T. And so those yeah, it's always good to, to see the people that we've had, and we we got to shake a few others' hands. We got to take a picture with uh, Justin Peters today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Justin Peters is a uh, ministry is is awesome, and you know me and Chris. All of us, well, I don't know about all of us, some of us that have come from charismatic back, backgrounds appreciate a ministry like, like Justin Peters who's calling out uh, false, teaching. false teachers mm-hmm. and prosperity gospel teachers and things like that. So you got to appreciate a, a man like that who's willing to say, uh, you know, call a spade a spade and tell what the truth is. So, right. mm-hmm. uh, it's always good to, to meet somebody like that. So we that's, that's a big part of G3. Yeah, yeah. So let's do it like, like we did last year. Let's just go down the list and see, you know, what stood out during these talks, right? Uh, again, we, we kicked it off on Wednesday. Uh, man, that was that was some good stuff on Wednesday. Uh, Bob Coughlin uh, from Sovereign Grace uh, preached. Also, uh, Keith Getty preached too, right? He gave a little yeah. he gave a little talk too. So, I mean, both of them, uh, man, they, they brought it, talked about worship. I think theirs was more geared towards singing. Hey, that was kind of the topic there. What stood out? Anything anything stand out to you guys? Not all at once. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you that there, there was... He's, he talked about, I think it was Keith Getty that talked about the different the different types of worship leaders. Right. He called one of them a, a cheerleader, the cheerleader type of, yeah. uh, that was funny to me, the, the cheerleader type of, of uh, worship leader. Yeah, yeah. Those of us that come from charismatic churches, that's what we see. Yeah, the that's what Get up, hey, get up, hey, yeah, yeah. let me hear y'all, like, louder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that type of thing, or, or the teacher cheerleader, uh, the teacher uh Type of, of worship leader that's always got a yeah. He thinks he's a pastor and he's up there giving a sermon during the worship. Yeah. <laughs> and then the artist type. Yeah, of we worship have to deal leader. with them, bro. <laughs> the artist type of worship leader where it's you know it's about him and you can put the spotlight on him yeah. and it, you know that that's that that type of thing. But uh, they were talking about pastoring through the songs mm-hmm. and so how how important it was to. We've always talked about that how songs are important. Our kids learn more through song mm-hmm. than they do you know uh, in a lot of ways. Through the scriptures, we want to teach them the scriptures, but songs stick. We know that to be true. Right. Um, what else, man? Let's go around the room. Anybody got something to say about about the impact that they had on on uh, the pre conference? What you saw, what you heard, what you thought about? I thought from the beginning, people started talking about how the congregation is not the audience of the worship, mm-hmm. uh, but God is. That was like on day one. I think they started stressing that. That was repeated several times, I think, in right. the conference too. But yeah, yeah, I think that was definitely a pervasive theme throughout. 
um, especially the pre-conference, uh, all the speakers in the pre-conference. Right. Anybody else? Oh, the pizza's here. Domino's. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're doing this live, man. We are doing, we're, doing this we're, live. We're doing this live. And, and we, we did order pizza. We so. ordered pizza, man. So, you know, this is real life. You know, we ain't, <laughs> we ain't faking it out here. <laughs> but, was, but there was great teaching that day. But, man, it was really cool. And my wife going to hate me for this, for seeing, getting to see the Gettys without her, because I know she loves the Gettys. Yeah. So, Christina, one day I'll take you to see the Gettys. But, <laughs> yeah. but it was great, man. That, that concert was awesome. I mean, they sing yeah. a lot of songs that we're used to singing at church, and it was just, it was a full thing. You know, they got me, they got me a little hyped up, and man, I want to try to figure out a way to go to the Sing Conference. So, what are they going to have that, like in April or something like that? Or I'm not yeah. exactly sure the date, but they got a Sing Conference they do in Nash- Nashville, Tennessee. And man, it, it, just seeing them up there and, and going through the, uh, yeah, yeah, through the, through the, go right here, man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and going going through their paces uh, uh, up there as, as concert style made me think. Well, what what would a conference be like with them leading the worship and the, and, the, and you know all that stuff and right. in their conference? So it got me a little hyped up to maybe try to see if I could possibly go to the sing conference. And what was the extra treat was they had uh, Matt Papa that came yes. out. And oh actually, man, we weren't expecting that. Yeah, no, yeah. He, and he was and he was good. He was. It wasn't just concert, right? It was teaching. Yeah. They yeah. were teaching us how to go through these things. Mm-hmm. And I think the emphasis was on congregational songs. Not mm-hmm. just who's on stage, but the congregation lifting up worship. Right. And I, 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 thought that was, I thought that was important. Yeah. So let's go to Thursday. So the first session, as always, he kicks it off. Josh Bice is the guy that actually puts on the G3 conference. He's, he's been putting it on. How, how many years are they in? Five years? Six years? No, they started 2013. 2013. Oh, so, so about seven years now. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So he's Josh Bice and his church are the ones that actually start started the G three conference. They're the ones that organize it and put it on every year. So we're really thankful for him. But he kicked it off in session one. What stood out to to you guys with Josh Bice? He he went to the regular principle. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of them did. We we've we've had we had an episode on the regular principle. We or two didn't we have it on? We had two episodes on the regular principle. Yeah, uh, we did one, and then uh, we got some blowback. So we, we instead of retreating, we did another one. <laughs> so he, he talked about three types of worship. He talked about inventive, inventive or imaginative, the inventive or imaginative principle. He talked about the normative principle, which is something we covered in the in the podcast. That's where, unless God forbids it, anything's anything's there, right? Uh, and then the regular principle is uh, only the way God prescribes it. When he talked about the inventive or imaginative, I, something I hadn't heard before, and that's just hey, whatever you can think up. If you think it's you know worship, go ahead and bring it. And I and I thought, well, that's way out there. And so that was that was interesting. Uh, but one quote that stood out from uh, Josh Bice to me was. God has not called you to ecclesiastical spectatorship. God has called you to church membership. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was impactful to me. Yeah. Yeah, there, there will probably be several thro- uh, several quotes thrown out on this podcast. But one I, one I have from Josh Bice as well ties into, I would say, the um, logical conclusion of the normative principle that if it's not forbidden in Scripture, we can, you know, go all out. Uh, but the quote is, we must not allow the church to be transformed into some kind of Disney World or Six Flags over Jesus. Yeah, mm. that was a good line. And I mean, there there are countless instances in just, I'm sure in all of y'all's head, but in my head right now, of just ridiculous, just like a circus yeah. in the church service um, that really just makes a mockery of uh, Christ, his church. And I would actually tie it to 
Paul Washer's message today. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're only on Thursday, but um, uh, Paul Washer used the the analogy of the pastors being stewards of the bride of Christ, oh, and uh, him oh. Christ being the king, leaving and then giving uh, the pastors the uh, uh, the authority and the oversight over his bride. And what many pastors do is they um, dress up the bride of Christ mm-hmm. uh, in uh, excessive makeup and uh, specifically he said dresses the church up as a whore and then parades her throughout the, throughout the city making a spectacle of her and that is uh, Try, it, that's pervasive throughout trying the church. To, trying to bring people back to be loyal to the king right. Right. using that method. Uh, that hit me hard when he talked mm-hmm. about lifting raising up, the raising the hem of, the of her dress. Yeah. Of the church of the, the dress of the church, I know we get ahead of ourselves with Paul Washer, <laughs> but man, did he not did he not put it down today? Yeah. And then yeah. you know, and then he just like kind of dropped the mic and walked away from the from the yeah. pulpit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Dylan, I I got to agree with you when he when Paul Washer hit, he hit hard, yeah. uh, and that was today. Let's let's just yeah. let's just go yeah. back to Josh yeah. Bice. Josh, Josh Bice was wonderful. <laughs> you guys got anything on Bice? I got oh, I got something here. So I mean, it seemed you know like a major focus of the conference is who is the real audience. You know, who are we showing our worship to? Who are we hoping to impress and make proud with our worship? And ultimately, that is the Lord and not the people. And I got a quote from Josh here that I I just really loved. It's, if you become a people pleaser, it will be impossible to please the one who matters. So if we lower our standards to impress the people in our congregation that are just there for a show, yeah. just there for music, and nothing else, that certainly cannot meet the standards of what God wants from yeah. us. Yeah. And I think you make a good point. Josh Bice did say something that, along that lines, and I paraphrase a lot of his stuff, I, I take notes the old-fashioned way with a pen and paper. So the thing is, I, I, I read this uh, note that I took from Josh Bice's sermon that, that matches what you're saying, Aaron. The culture will be bored with solid preaching the culture will be bored with a solid preaching church that worships god the way he prescribes his worship to be so man-centered worship man-centered theology man-centered is is going to attract some masses attracts the world but the but the world is not going to be attracted to solid biblical preaching and i think josh bice made a really good point on that Mm -hmm. yeah one thing that stood out to me with with bice is uh when he had mentioned that we need a week-by-week reformation. And I think that really hit home for me because, you know, the way we structure our services at Ecclesia, we, we, we're liturgical. Yeah. And we, we do a lot of the same things every week. And we, we repeat the Apostles' Creed. And we, we, uh, we read some of the same scriptures every week. And, and I feel, and I actually I think I've heard in a roundabout way, you know, some criticism about that. Like, it's just, it's, it's so much of the same thing, same thing, same thing. Because we're used to services where it's just like, man, it's a show every week and give me something new to excite me. And, you know, this is really the reason why I think it's so important that we do do things like this where we recite the creed. Because as he, as he went on to say, culture has been working all week to forget the truth you heard last week. Mm. Right. So that's that's true. As, as the people go throughout their day, throughout their work and they turn on their TV and everything, culture, man, is working hard to, to diminish the truth that they heard last Sunday. And it's trying to get them. And not only culture, false doctrines, too. They can turn on, uh, go on Facebook and see see people uh, sharing things and, and that that don't align with the truth of Scripture. So this is why we do these things. When we go back every Sunday, I want to tell you what we believe as a church. This is doctrine. This is what we believe. 
Why do we got to do it every week? Because you know what? Last week, the, the devil's been working overtime to get that out of you. Yeah. yeah. And just to piggyback off what you're saying, Pastor Chris, because I had that experience. When I first came to Ecclesia and you yeah. handed me that paper, I'm like, what is this? Right. Right. And I've come to love the liturgy. I've, I've told you that myself. I've, I've come to a place where I love the way we do what we do. It's done decently and in order the way the Bible prescribes, the way Paul said in 1 Corinthians, it should go. Right. And, and when I go through there, I, I know what's coming. Right. But I love it. And we sang a song today and I always forget the name of the song. But uh, there's a song. There's a there's a lyric in there that I love. Prone to wander. Lord, I yeah. feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I need what we do with that liturgy every week to bring me back to that place. Because right. the culture's had at me for a week. Yeah. Right. And I, and I come back and, you know, I, I'm going to say that. But, I you know, I read my Bible on a daily basis. Right. But it's good to get together with the body of Christ and worship the way we should. And so. Uh, when I go down that liturgy, I'm loving. I love. The, I love the, the 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 church service that we have. So yeah, that's what stuck out to me yeah. with Bice. But let's go on to Charlie's. He was next. He was after uh, Bice. Uh, it wasn't as you know fiery. You know, Charlie's is guys. He has a different uh, personality. Tim Tim Charlie's. Tim Charlie's. I'm sorry. Yeah, I call him Charlie. That's <laughs> the original. The original Christian blogger. Yeah. My boy Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> my boy. My boy Charlie. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but man, what he said was profound. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Um, it was like encapsulating biblical theology. Mm-hmm. And he started with obviously the fall, but we're separated. Yes. You know, because of the of the fiery sword at the garden. And then the cherubims at the altar. But then through Christ, we come near mm-hmm. and can worship. Mm-hmm. Where it's a, as a believer, it's a privilege yeah. to honor the beauty yeah. of it. That's what I got out of what yeah. he said. So, so yeah, Tim Challey's message was different. It wasn't, it wasn't like, here's, here's the scripture and I'm going to give you three points to go off it. No, man, he started in the garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he took us through all the Bible. It felt like he, he told us. Lesson, yeah. He told us. He told us the whole story, yeah. uh, and and that thing that he talked about when he when they sealed off the garden and and the cherubim stood there with flaming swords to keep anybody out. Because just imagine if an evil man, a man that has sinned, eats from the tree of life, right. and forever to be cursed in this in this way. And so uh, that was that. There there was there's something about that God was caring for us even in our sin that He would send us away from the garden, right. But he had a plan of reconciliation, yeah. right? And that's something that Charlie said. The first Adam led us into sin. The second Adam leads us into re- reconciliation with God. Right. And I, I think that, to me, that was impactful. And I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the way that he brought it because he did it a little different than what I... I I'm used to sermons that give you, you know, three or four points and you're out, you know. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but he, no, but he it was, was different. It was clear biblical theology. He just, he just laid it out yeah. on, on the. He laid out the story of the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, here, here it is. Here's why your communion with God was taken away from you because of sin. And again, those cherubims were that representative of that. You know, blocking that. But then here, here's a quote that he says: Jesus is not a cherubim warning us to stay away, but a friend saying to come. So through Christ, now we have that communion with God again yeah. mm-hmm. through through the great high priest that is Christ. So this should flesh itself out in our worship and the way yeah. we worship. Just knowing that, man, what a privilege it is that we have that others didn't have. Today, we, we have the privilege to come, as, as Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says, yeah. boldly to the throne of grace. Yeah. We have that now. So why not take advantage of that? You know, Instead, we, we kind of take that for granted. Yeah. To go a little further with that, because he, he really did paint a really good picture of exile. Yeah. And on, on, our, on our episode on divorce and remarriage, we talked about exile. We talked about being cast out from your home. And this is where they got to. Adam and Eve were able to worship God. 
in the presence of God, but then they were exiled out right. uh, because of the sin. And, and so, uh, personally, I you know I look at that and I, and I think, man, I, I understand what exile is, right? And like you said, what a privilege it is that He invites us back in, that He's reconciled, that He's made the way back in, so that we can worship the Father. Right. And and this this is what it should be because we have that privilege. Mm-hmm. We should just flow out worship. Yes. It should just come from our heart. Uh, so yeah, I think I think his was impactful in that way. Quickly, it reminded me, Robert. You might remember what, what's that book from from the Eden to the New Jerusalem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was the author of that? Uh, Alexander Desmond Alexander. T Desmond Alexander. T Desmond yeah. Alexander. Yeah, yeah. If you if you haven't gotten that book, then get that book. That that's, that sermon reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. It takes you from the yeah, garden to uh, New Jerusalem. But anyway, uh, any, anything on Charlie's guys? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to mention that his message just really gave me a sense of confidence. Um, when approaching the throne of grace, that Christ came to give us access to the Father. Um, And one quote that I wrote down from him, we were given access to the Father uh, just so that we could worship him. Yes. Um, I just thought that was really great, just thinking about our new stance before God um, and how Christ, like you were saying, is welcoming us to the Father rather than, you know, shutting us away. The invitation to salvation is an invitation to worship. That's what called him. Amen. Let's go on. Uh, then we had a uh, lunch. Anybody want to share anything on lunch? After, <laughs> uh, but but after lunch was that Q and A session. Yeah, uh, there was some good stuff there too. Yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah, the you know it's it's fun because I I wrote down the books that they gave us that that were that mm. were to them. What what brought you to the place of worship? And we should give the list of the of these of these books that. These guys read and said, this brought me to a place of understanding worship more. Right. And so, um, who is this? Uh, Josh Bice you said, R.C. Sproul's The Holiness of God. Mm-hmm. Also, Josh Bice, yes. Worship, The Ultimate Priority. But it's by John MacArthur. Right. So, it's like, you know, and, and John MacArthur was on the panel. The Attributes of God by, by A.W. Pink. Uh, again, that's Josh Bice. He gave three. And go, if you go to Ecclesia, you get one for free. So, mm-hmm. yeah, come on out. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, then uh, it's funny because uh, Delighting in the Trinity, John MacArthur. Yeah. Michael, by Michael Reeves. By Michael, yeah, yeah. Reeves, Michael yeah. Reeves. He, he pointed to that one and yeah. said that, that one helped them with worship. John, John MacArthur. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, and The Body of Divinity by Thomas Watson was also a book that he threw out there. Well, MacArthur had the mic drop on that, one, on that Q&A when he said, we should make the world feel welcome in our worship services, but also they should feel like they don't belong here. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> paraphrasing what he said. Uh, that, that was Tim, awesome. Tim Challey piggybacked off of him yeah. and said, "Unbelievers are welcome, but shouldn't feel comfortable." Right, right. And I thought that was. I thought he was. Hey, I shouldn't feel comfortable in the world. They shouldn't feel comfortable when they come and sit in the pew yeah. under my under my preaching. Yeah, right. And I'm like, ooh. Yeah, and I think that just speaks to you know just modern church services these days. Everything is geared to uh, wanting to welcome the unbeliever. It's geared to cater to the unbeliever. And I think their point, the point they were trying to make in that Q and A, was that the, our worship is geared to God. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't form it, we don't design it, we don't structure it for the the unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. we structure it. Actually, for God and for others, it was it was that they talked about that how yeah. how worship is is communal. It's yeah. communal. It's it's a fellowship. It's it's with God and it's with one another. But I, I think that was some good stuff. Pastor Chris, we shouldn't we shouldn't leave the Q and A yet without talking about that one question toward the end about complementarianism. You're always trying to get us in trouble, bro. <laughs> I'm trying yeah, to get us. Let's, let's you know why because because Josh Bice had the definitive quote mm-hmm. on that. He said. 
I refuse to blush when it comes to the scriptures. Too many people want to make the scriptures say something that it doesn't just so that they can do what they want to in the church service. Yeah. Right. And so the question was, you know, about complementarianism. Should women preach in the church? That's the thing. And, and Josh Spice, when he laid that down, said, I refuse to blush when it comes to what the scriptures say. And ultimately, I think that's what this whole thing was about. We worship according to what the scriptures tell us. Right. God has spoken. There's his word. Let's go by it yeah. instead of our own speculation on what we think worship should be. Mm-hmm. And then, then they pointed everybody to that sermon by John MacArthur, which oh yeah, which is yeah. titled "What Does the Scripture Say About Women Preachers?" Yeah, <laughs> was, that, he, he made a joke about that title. Too. <laughs> is that the, is that, that two word yeah. sermon? Yeah. That you <laughs> oh, you said I, I made it really. That was a sermon I mean, he did two weeks after that. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. two weeks. Okay. Oh yeah. So what was the thing that he did? Oh, that's right. Go home. <laughs> we don't you want. Know. We yeah. know. You all know. <laughs> One quote that stood out to me on the Q and A, and I don't. I didn't even write down who said it, but go to a church of your conviction, not of your convenience. Seems I thought awesome. that was a good line. Was that Lawson? Yeah, yeah, that was really good, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then we had uh, Derek Thomas. Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> now let's speak up. Let's speak up. Let's, let's not be shy about what yeah. we got to say about Derek Thomas. Okay, so uh, Derek, if you're listening, I love you, man. <laughs> I love you a lot. Um, yeah, there was, uh, and we, we talked a good bit about this over over uh, TGI Fridays last night. Um, but uh, yeah, there was uh, it, it was all around really good. Uh, but there was what I would call a good bit of speculation on quite a few things. Um, one of the the uh, bigger things being Jesus, at least in his words, uh, in Derek's words, uh, finding out about his divinity from Mary, um, because we, we, uh, you know, we hear in the gospels about Christ in his youth growing in, uh, wisdom and stature, uh, before the Lord. And Derek sort of jumped off of that and began, uh, again, I would say speculating on certain things, um, specifically needless things, I would say, like Christ found out about his divinity from Mary, and that that was one of the the bigger things that that I took issue with because yeah. I, I don't see much, I just don't see much benefit in speculating. That. I agree with you, Dylan, one hundred percent. When I heard when I heard him say that, he, comparing his own first memories of about two or three years old and saying maybe Jesus remembers the day he was born, I don't think you can go there. I don't think the scriptures tell us enough about that to really say yeah. yay or nay. I don't think you can go there and, and, and read into the scriptures something that, that's not there. A lot of what uh, Derek Thomas had to say seemed to me to be his own, you know, like he could have a conversation with somebody at a coffee shop about the thing. But don't bring it to me from the pulpit because it doesn't teach the text. It doesn't exposit the scriptures. Um, you're speculating on who Jesus was and, and what he thought or, or what he did. And and to me, that, that, that was dangerous. I... I I, I didn't catch all of Derek Thomas's. I come in halfway, and, and I, what's he saying? I, I looked at Pastor Chris. Are you agreeing with this? I looked over to him to the left, and, and Pastor Chris didn't even. You know, I see you looking at me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pay attention to you right now, Jimmy. Uh, but I was a little bit bothered by Derek Thomas's uh, uh, theories. Theories. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. That's yeah. that's and speculations is a use the uh, is a word that you used last night, Dylan. Uh, but that that to me is is one thing. Robert, Pastor Rob, what you what you think? 
I heard it second hand, and yeah, okay. I just found it very. Uh, Where were you, bro? You, you know, in, in the bookstore. <laughs> I heard, I, I heard y'all books. talking about. I it. saw I like, those books you had. I said, man, that is kind of um, a little bit of isogesis, you know. Yeah. They're kind of speaking in, and it's 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 dangerous. I thought, you know, that's a coffee shop <laughs> discussion. That's a bullpit. I think my biggest problem was, uh, what what do you get out of it? Right. What, what do you gain well, by you know taking those those liberties? I mean. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I, when I heard some of the things that he had said, I, I had questions. But, you know, knowing Derek Thomas, I, I've heard the guy preach dozens of times, uh, Ligonier Ministries. He's a Ligonier teaching fellow. So, you know, I, I was like, man, you know, who am I to question this guy, right? He's a Ligonier teaching fellow, you know, uh, rub shoulders with RC and everything like that. But I did, when I heard the same things you guys heard, I was like, you know, it was kind of confusing to me. You know, I, I didn't know what to think. But I do want to highlight some things that I did take from him that, that I, I, I like. I mean, has he talked about the transfiguration and, and this uh, this place where God's heavenly place met, met ours? Uh, and it was not at, a, not at Sinai, not at a temple, but it was in, in Christ. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was interesting. Also, what really stuck out to me with, in his whole sermon was when he when he brought it back to Peter and how Peter was a, a first-hand witness of the transfiguration. But yet in, in First Peter, uh, I'm sorry, Second Peter 1, 9, he talks about the scriptures being a greater assurance. Even though that he was a first-hand witness, and this is the point that Derek Thomas was trying to bring out, even though Peter was, was there and saying, look, look, this is what I saw. I saw the glory of God with my own eyes. But even that is not as good as the written scriptures that you have in front of you. And I thought that that just, that hit a home run for me anyway, mm-hmm. what he said, because you look at all these like heaven tourism books and people trying to say, oh, I went to heaven and I did this and I saw this and I, I did this. And I'm like, we have this written scriptures and this yeah. is the assurance that, that we should hold on. This is the truth, not what you say you saw or the vision that you think you saw. And I, did, I thought that, that was a good point because I've never heard anybody bring that out or connect that those two things, the transfiguration to what Peter says in Second uh, Peter one nineteen. Anyway, we'll move on. We don't have, we don't have to dwell on Derek Thomas. Mm-hmm. We don't have to what dwell on Derek Thomas. Yeah, we, 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 unless Rodion's got some, yes, some stuff on. Well, I just wanted to say that it's it's cool that you guys were there and you could see through all of this. I was sitting there and subscribing to everything he was saying. Yeah. I was actually liking. I'm, I asked the question myself in the past. How did Jesus know that? Like, what is it? How did he know that he was the son of God? What is it? Never really researched it. So to me, that was like, oh, okay, this is the answer. <laughs> so, and, and I think we want to be clear. We're not saying that he's preaching like heresy or anything like that. We're just saying that he's given some speculation that we don't see in the text that he's just kind of throwing out there. And like, I think, like you, I think, I think you said it the best. That's fine to speculate. We, we had a conversation about some stuff and we said the same thing. Amongst ourselves, we're probably going to talk about some things that, that we, we see in the scriptures that we won't bring to the masses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're just not going to bring it. That's cool. You know, sit around your, your coffee shop and talk about that. But I don't know if you want to bring that to the masses because it might sound a little unclear. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, you know, just going back to what Rodion said, I, I, I don't think that's a, that's a bad thing. Rodion, and I'm, I'm going to give him some props here, which I don't normally do. This is a strange things, But Rodion comes up with some really good questions sometimes. Yeah, Rodion really gets us going on some of the theological tangents sometimes because he'll bring us questions that we didn't think of. And it's it's coming from that place. I just want to know. you know. And, and so it's good that you ask the questions, right? And it's good that you write these things down and say, uh, wow, that's that's the answer. But, you know, I'm glad for that, that you've got the heart to think, Wow, you know, let me ask this question and let me let me see it this way. 
anyway, just yeah. give you props for that, but we can, yeah. we can move on. Yeah. But but oh, sorry, go ahead. But what did you guys think about, like, so Derek said that, Derek Thomas said that the transfiguration was first and foremost for Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. Was that accurate? Mm. For Jesus himself in... In what, like, like his glorification? I mean, or maybe he meant it in the way that it was like... You know what I think we're going to have to do? We have to, they're going to put this on the online. We're going to have to go back and listen to this sermon. I think, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe, we we, we, maybe we missed something, you yeah. know. So. Yeah, so yeah. we can do that at some yeah. other time, but yeah. Let's go to Vody. Love Vody. It was awful. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, he said some... Come on, guys. He Vody's said some things. Awful, he said some things that were just... Uh, through the roof, mm-hmm. you know what? You know what really got me. What stuck out to me is that when he, when he got to the doctrine of adoption, mm. right, yeah. uh, and how he 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 kind of fleshed out the fact that we come to worship as if it's uh, you know we're trying to manipulate or appease God in some way instead of coming to Him as adopted sons. And then he broke down soteriology all over again, uh, talking about justification, uh, sanctification, glorification. But he said you're missing one thing, and he said you know and. Among other things, justification, adoption. Mm-hmm. And we come to him as sons. We come worshiping mm-hmm. him as sons instead of those that are trying to appease him uh, in, some certain, in, in some certain way. I love that. I needed to hear that, by the way. I needed to hear that. It says, you know what? I can come in here and worship you as, as a son, as an adopted heir and, and, uh, with an inheritance that's coming. In. You know, just thank you was all you can do when you understand that. Uh, Adoption's a big deal, and we don't we don't think about it enough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, here we are, cast out, and he brings us in, and now we can sit at the table and commune with him, mm-hmm. communion with him, uh, instead of trying to appease him or manipulate him into into showing me favor or something like that, which I think is what the charismatics do, mm-hmm. right? And 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 so I got to say, it's a it's a different way to look at it, and I think he brought it out well. I'm part of a study where um, we recently talked about just carrying some guilt for the past that past sins and um, you know you're justified you know that Christ died for you but there is still this guilt that comes back and this was like maybe several days after I heard this uh, some people say this I mean I struggle with it sometimes myself and I'm, I'm so glad that Vody points to scripture when he says things like this about adoption he goes, it's in verse 1 of Ephesians 5, right there, as beloved children. Right. Yeah. You're adopted son of God. Yes, you're justified, but not only that, you're his child. Mm. You're his son or his daughter. Mm. Yeah. He also started off with talking about how places of worship will go and mimic pagan rituals. Yes. Right. Making it louder, making it brighter, making it crazy. And, and I thought... <laughs> He, there was a quote. I didn't write it down, but there I was something it. he said. Aaron, you got it. What is I know, it? I got what did it. he? What did he say? If the beat is right and the band is hot, I can sing all kind of lies. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Cody's <laughs> 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 wow. always got something to say that's going to just throw it out there. That was that was good stuff right there. Yeah. That's funny to me. I like how he was given the assignment of addressing Ephesians five nineteen, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And that's kind of like our go-to text sometimes when we when we talk about worship. But he wanted to broaden it out and, and address this text in its context. And he looked at the whole chapter. Mm-hmm. And the whole chapter is dealing not only with just the singing, it's dealing with how we live our lives. 
is dealing on how we submit to, right? So I think that that point that he was driving, he was, we can't disconnect our obedience and our, our truth and what we believe about God from our singing. You know, too many people want to do that, right? Too many people want to say, and I think I got this, this point that uh, he had made. He said, people say, if I can divorce my life from my singing, then that's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that really hit home for me because, you know, one thing sometimes I, I do have a problem with and it doesn't make sense to me is that I see a lot of people that are, are nominal Christians or that are, are uh, you know, lukewarm Christians. But yet, man, they can get really emotional with worship music. Mm-hmm. You know, you put on some Hillsong and they'll cry. Or they'll say, man, I, my favorite band is, is this or that or worship music. But yet, they don't live their life for the glory of God. And I think that, that hit home with what Vody said. It makes sense to me because that's what they're doing. They're divorcing their life from their singing. Mm-hmm. Their singing is one thing, which is just pure emotion. And their, their lives is something totally different. Whereas our, our singing should be connected to the way we live in the service right. and the sacrifice that we bring uh, before God. And I, I like the way Vody hit on that. Yeah. We're letting our, our music and our songs, like Hillsong and Bethel and all of them, we're letting them tell us, you know, what our theology is, rather than bringing our theology to the music and saying, what can I sing that fits this? We're letting those songs feed into our theology, and we're believing lies. Yeah. And that's, that's it's so dangerous for our kids, right? That's why we yes. try to stay away from those. See, because we've talked about this before, even Hillsong can hit and have a good song sure. once in a while but if you I mean if you, you had put, Carrie Job on your playlist the other morning <laughs> bro that was your playlist <laughs> man. why do you keep putting that on me listen I, I would just say that you know even if Jesus Culture does sing a theologically right song the rest of their the rest of their songs can take you to that seven mountains whatever the kind of thing that they got going right. on oh, over there and it's what's dangerous our kids start to listen to that yeah. and and we don't guide them through and, and and show them these are the songs that glorify god and lift him up and, and lift him up in praise and Bodhi said something that was real important My, our worship is far more about the songs that we sing Yes. Far more than uh, about the songs that we sing and that's that's what the world wants you or you know what Secret sensitive churches want you to see worship is just the songs. Mm-hmm. They want you to come in and feel good about the songs. They give you a feel good message. You can do all the. This is my Bible. It says it. I am what it says I am, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, Dylan. Yeah, if I could speak just a little bit more to um, Hillsong and then occasionally having a good song. Uh, I think I was the only one of us that was uh, in the talk real discussion with Justin Peters, uh, which wasn't even advertised. Uh, I, I really yeah. wish they would have. Um, uh, I mean, I, I was there anyway, so who cares? But uh, I just would have been all the more psyched <laughs> to go to G3 knowing Justin Peters was there. But it was a short um, interview that Toffreel had with Justin Peters. And one of the things that, rather, the, the topic was, should churches sing uh, Hillsong, Jesus Culture, Bethel, and Elevation songs? Uh, Elevation was a little bit less of the topic, but the other three, the, the Unholy Trinity, as I like to call them. Hmm. But the, that was the topic. And one of the things that Justin kept harping on was... There are many good songs that these churches, these bands put out that, uh, in his words, will pass a doctrinal uh, smell test. <laughs> and uh, I really love how he puts that. And he, he talked about it quite a bit. And uh, it was really helpful because uh, one of the things that Bill Johnson himself has said, um, I, I don't remember what book it was in, but in one of his books, one of the clear statements of his was our theology is our vehicle for, uh, pardon me, our, our music is our vehicle for spreading mm-hmm. our theology. And if you know anything about Bill Johnson or 
uh, you know, in my views on Bill Johnson, any any of our views on him, uh, he he is absolutely a false prophet. Uh, he's a cult leader. Uh, Bethel is is not any anything that anybody should be, um, uh, you know, recommending. That's my opinion. My, that's my opinion. Dylan's, Dylan's not trying to be controversial. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not speaking for anybody. I, but Dylan. I, I will say though that that's true across the board. Music is a vehicle that teaches kids yeah. all kinds of things, mm-hmm. right? And I don't care how old you are, you're getting stuff. I, mean, I say kids, but I, you could be an older person and still be getting your the way you view the world from the music that you feed yourself. Well, it goes on the other side, too. That's why it's good to have uh, songs that are rich in theology. Yes. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure who said this, but one of the speakers, maybe it was on the panel, or maybe it was in the pre-conference, they said, I think it was yeah the pre-conference they said you know not many people are going to remember a charles wesley sermon but yeah. we're going to remember his hymns mm-hmm. yeah you know so well the lyrics are formative because words matter right right you know uh, a lot of times when people you know get old they can't read uh they lose their eyesight but they remember music right that was a point one of the one of the, i don't know who said it but but was it keith getty when he was talking about his grandma or something that they they couldn't remember his name i don't know if it was him he, somebody said it, it, and it, they couldn't remember my face or my name, but they could remember the songs that, from their teenage mm-hmm. years. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the songs get in there. And how is it that we remember the lyrics from a song I haven't heard since the 80s, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'm that old, guys. Okay, yeah, we've said yeah. it before on Solocast. Uh, I'm an old man, but I remember Billy songs. Joe. Billy Joe. Yeah. I, love, I love Billy Joe. Carmen. Man. I love Billy Joe songs. Carmen. Right? Carmen. Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amy, Amy Grant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But anyway, uh, anybody else on on voting? So much, so much, we could, so much we could say. He was yeah. really good. Yeah, um, I, I want to bring out just one more thing. I know we got to move on, but one thing that really hit home for me, I guess, from being an ex charismatic, is one thing that Vody said: how when the preacher comes out and says, "I'm not going to share what I studied on. I got a new word from God," and everybody gets excited, <laughs> you know, because yeah. he says because people see that, you know, oh. When you're disconnected from the actual written scripture and you're getting a direct revelation from God, then that means more than the written scripture, right? I know I'm par- paraphrasing what he said, but that, that is true because I've been through for so many sermons, and I know y'all, you guys, some of you guys that have a charismatic background too, is the preacher would do that a lot. It's like, you know what? I had a sermon prepared, but I'm going to scrap that, and I heard, I heard from God. Either that or I'm going to scrap that, and we're just going to pray for everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to follow the Spirit's oh, leading. Yeah. Yeah. How, how many times? And so that's that whole, like, Dog and pony show. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I had all this. I studied for this and this. But I got to put it to the side because the Lord is pressing on my heart. And I got to tell you something. And what is that? And Bodhi said, is the Holy Spirit not in the 10 hours of study that yeah. you did? <laughs> yeah. That's it. You know, why throw it away? Yeah. And doesn't yeah. it make sense? Right. Yeah. 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 I can personally testify to that because, you know, when I'm studying for, for my Sunday sermon, and you probably too, man, that's when I get emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I have tears when I'm writing my sermon out. But yet, I, they don't come out on Sunday mornings because that's the spirit moving through the study. I've heard Lawson call it weeping over the sacred desk. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Chris, I, I would say that that's that's happened to me too, yeah. right? I, I was, I'm studying for something. I mean, I, I do a Bible study at work too and, and just oh, reading through Job lately. And, and some of that stuff would just make you... It's the scripture. Right. It's God's word. The book reading right. you. 
<laughs> and it's like I'm I'm sitting here and I'm oh man this is just heavy on my heart right. and and it brings out worship and it's it's just one of those things and that's that personal time that you get with God and especially for people that are teachers and preachers and pastors right. like 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 we are ministers of the Word of God yeah. we go to study and and it affects us yeah. and we're not moving in that study room yeah, we're not yeah. we're not we're not sitting here uh, stoic you know I get a lot of that man because yeah. I go to a Reformed Baptist church yeah. now I get this this uh, question of where's the Holy Spirit in your church and I'm sitting here going. Are you kidding? Right. Uh, and, you know, anyway, I, he did say something. Somebody said something about it's not all feelings, but it's not less than feelings. Yeah. Right? We're, we're emotional people, too. Right. We're not right. stoic. We're not just frozen here. But we do believe that the, the, the principles for worship come from the Word of God. Right. And so that's an important distinction that we need to make. Um, but there we go. I mean, we, we, we went on some yeah. diatribes. That was good stuff. <laughs> oh, Vody brought good it, man. Stuff. Yeah, he did. Johnny Mac. Johnny like Mac. <laughs> he brought it, too. How, how old did you say that John MacArthur was? He's 80. 80. John MacArthur is 80 years old. He, he said that he was this the first He time? said he was happy to be vertical. It was funny. Was this the first time hearing him in person? No, I've heard him in person before. In person? I think that was I've heard him a couple times. Yeah. First time? Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, but you know, you listen to him on a regular basis on you know Grace to You, uh, the pod. I mean, the, the, the I got the app, and so every now once in a while I listen. Rodion likes to send me some of his sermons because he thinks I'll learn something. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate that you sent me Johnny Mac. What stood out? What stood out? In that oh man, so much good stuff from Johnny. You can reiterate a point the others have said. He's. I remember he said, he said that that guy. He's the guy with the guitar player, but the pastor. Is the worship leader? Yeah. Yes, you heard good. that from several individuals, but yeah. he re- reiterated it. This is a quote. I, you know, I'm going to give you some quotes because I wrote a lot of his quotes down. Me too. Uh, this is something Johnny Mac said that stayed with me uh, on the subject of the RPW. God disapproves of all modes of worship not explicitly sanctioned in Scripture. Yeah. Wow, that is a bold statement. Listen to that again. God disapproves. Of all modes of worship, not explicitly sanctioned in Scripture. That's and you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this: if you're listening to Soulcast and you go to a church where it's man prescribing the worship, we're going to do zip lines and fog machines, WWE, and, and you know, gold dust from the ceiling. Basketball yeah. court on stage. You know, <laughs> zip lining in. <laughs> Those things are not prescribed in Scripture, and you know. Some of you are sitting there saying, well, that's just Johnny Mac saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, <laughs> the scriptures tell us that, right? Did he not come from a place where he, where he Exodus 20, verse 7, where he said, uh, where he talked about not taking the Lord's name in vain? Yeah. And the, he, his whole sermon was based on taking the Lord's name in vain yeah. and how we do that as part of the worship. In fact, when he got to the place where he said, Jesus paid the penalty for all our corrupt worship. I was floored. I was sitting there going, you know what? My, my, my worship has been corrupt in the past. It has been corrupt. And you know what? Even following the liturgy, do we ever get out of, out of sorts even doing that? Right. But there's a reason that God wants us to do, 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 do things decently and in order when it comes to the worship of his name. Well, yeah, my, my quote that I put, um, I think was probably the statement directly after the one that Jimmy just said. It. I put, um, you can thank God that Jesus died on the cross to pay for all your corrupt worship. And then another quote that I got uh, was him saying, I couldn't care less about what an unbeliever wants in a church service. I just could not care less. Yeah. That was that was really good. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier, just not appealing to what the world wants because the Sabbath is for the body of Christ. If we're bringing in people that are attracted in the world with these different random attractions, then we're doing something wrong. Yeah. yeah, The world should, you know, almost scoff or be bored in a church service. But for us, for the body, we're certainly not bored, you know, basking in the glory of Christ in our worship. Um, And he also said, this is offensive. (laughs) Worship me correctly or die. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he even talked about the Ben Shapiro uh, interview. I thought that was interesting, and so he brought it up, and and and, and he said that 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 was the question: Are you worried that you're going to offend someone? Yeah. And what did he say? What was his answer to that? I offend people on purpose. Yeah. 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 I, I intend to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I intend to do it. I'm a pastor. <laughs> right. The word of God is offensive uh, to those that are unbelievers. Yeah. Why would yeah. we expect different? Yeah, he, was, he, was, he made a big deal about connecting worship to the knowledge of God. And yes. the more we know about God, the more we're going to worship in. And one, one line that he did say that stuck out to me was, unbelievers cannot worship a God that they don't know. Exactly. Which is true. How, how do we expect to cater our worship services to unbelievers if they don't even know God? We want them to come in and we want them to worship God, a God that they don't know. It makes no sense. So right. I think uh, he, he brought that home. And to me, the mic drop quote of, of MacArthur uh, in his sermon was when he... He said he's heard complaints and people say, "How your sermons are so long? How do you have time for worship?" <laughs> and his response is, "Your sermons are so short. How does anybody know what worship is?" Yeah. <laughs> that was good. It's true. Uh, that and, good. But that goes back to the same thing he's been saying. Worship starts in the pulpit. It, it isn't just the music that's worship, mm-hmm. right? Every bit of it. And one of the things we do at the church, you, you know, Pastor Chris, you have me do the announcements. And part of that is when I when I go from that, let's worship the Lord in our giving. That's how we go into into the time of, of giving. But it's worship. That's worship also. Right. So people might not see it that way, but giving your your offering uh, to the Lord, right, from a cheerful heart as a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. That's worship also because you love the Lord. You're gonna give. We even call that worship, right? So yeah. every piece of the worship service is worship. But the biggest part is where it comes from the pulpit. What does the Bible have to say about these things? Right. And a good expositor is going gonna, is gonna to leave us in a worshipful tone, in a worshipful mode, in a feeling like this, right? So it does come from the pulpit. You know, one thing you're talking about all the service, and I heard MacArthur mention it, sometimes it's not very brought out, especially for pastors. He mentioned the pastoral prayer, especially mm-hmm. the benediction. Yeah. Right. He says we're... That's part of the worship because when you pray, you're like the words matter. You're forming theology and you're praying for the people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, and so yeah, he mentioned all of the service yeah. mm-hmm. are yeah. elements of worship. Right, and I think we don't we don't see that. We see, right. we think just the singing is just worship. Right. Yeah. Because we view the whole thing as a spectacle. You know, we right. come in as the audience, Respectators. not as yeah. yeah, not as a participant. Well, and you hear some of those questions that are sometimes as pastors. I think we get. We're like, oh, I didn't get anything out of the worship, or I wish there would be this, because they come with the consumer mentality. Right. And it's, it's the idea of, no, no, no. And, and I think John Bice talked about it. We come to give. Mm. You're coming to take. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have the wrong concept. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that, because uh, that was another one of his quotes. That, well, I don't think of this is exact quote. I, I paraphrase some, but Psalms are the hymns of the redeemed. And he said, you've got it wrong. It's not music from the stage to the audience. 
It's music from the saints to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got to get it right. If you if you come expecting, well, what am I going to get out of service? And you come to the pastor after, pastor, you know, service is pretty good. But, you know, if you did this way or if you did it that way, right, instead of looking at the scriptures, that, that's why it's so important. And, pastor, I know that you, you put some time into here's the way the, the, the worship's going to go. You spend some time on the liturgy. You spend, spend time before you even get to, to the service on Sunday on, on Lord's Day. You've already done some work, right. right? You've already you've already gone through. How's this going to go? Yeah. And then when we get there, uh, our job is to you know, hey, let's let's set up, let's let's let's, let's get it together, and let's let's execute. Uh, but the plan's already been put in place. Yeah, yeah. We can go on and on about Johnny Mac. Man, was yeah, a great yeah. church, powerful. Yeah. I think that's a good place to stop because we're gonna. It looks like we're gonna go a little long. Here, so we'll get, what we'll do is we'll divide this episode up into two parts. So uh, this is this week's. Next week we'll we'll finish talking about about what we got going on because we got we got a full day, man. So y'all make sure y'all turn into part two next week uh, of the uh, G three podcast uh, here in Atlanta. But y'all make sure y'all turn into part two next week. We'll have a final recap of everything that we saw. You know, except Saturday because we're not going to be here. You're right. We're, right, we're not going right, to be here for right. Saturday. But anyway, man, uh, look us up online. Find us at www.thesolarcast.com. You can go there and send us a message, uh, you know, give us some feedback on the episode. Or you can also find us on Facebook at SolarCast. Just search for SolarCast at the search bar there on the top, and you can find uh, the page, like the page, share the page. You can also find us on Twitter. You can go to Twitter at Solar underscore cast, and you're at... At Los Jimmy. And I'm at C. Hernandez 214. Make sure you, if you're in the Dallas area, you'd be welcome to visit us at our church, Ecclesia Church of Dallas, 3232 Batan Street, Dallas, Texas, 75212, every Sunday morning. You can also look at the website, www.ecclesiachurch.org. But anyway, until next time. Let's get to the meat. Let's do it. Okay. I just made this beat right now. I'm MC Goya. Okay, listen. I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel, eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip flops. And he looks like Shook Knight. I put him in a chokehold and say goodnight. It's not music but clothes that he started. I can find better shirts in a flea market. Okay, Google, who's the best rapper? Goya, Rat and Grace is full of...